hate tombs. What Mom, did you just say? I hate tombs. Yeah, guess what? Then don't be a tomb raider! <laughs> Uh-oh, you know that music. Time for a warning. Um, mildly spooky one at that. This one is going to be a two-parter for the main feed. That second part will push back Grunt Forever for a week, but you'll receive part two much sooner than Friday because Patreon does not have a monthly upload cap. The full episode should be up there now. Now, this decision just seemed to be like the correct decision to do here. This is a long episode with an important game, and it'll give Dylan one less podcast to record and edit this coming week, and two parties may crop up again when I have the urge to do other large games. <clears throat> cough. Halo. Cough. With more than one guest. Now onto the spookier warning. I apologize for some of the audio quality here in this episode. My voice entered the guest recording, so it kind of sounds like I'm echoing them with my track on top of that. So if I sound like I'm using a microphone those on clearance at Circuit City, know that was an effort to prioritize what the guest was talking about. And if you have any issues, just make sure to at me at Tierney on Twitter like tiered list and knee on your leg. Also, please end your tweets with the hashtag banjo in smash. Thank you. Welcome and hello to Level Select, a podcast about the best, or iconic, or just generally a really good level in a game you might have not you know, ventured off to, or you don't think it has like, great levels, but uh, just in general, we're just trying to find out what is truly the best level in a single game. And that game today is something pretty iconic to gaming in general. But I won't introduce that. I'm your host, Robert Beach, and with me today is Ashley Queenan. And what is on our plates this episode? We are going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite games of all time, which is the original Tomb Raider. The 1996 classic, yes. <laughs> Polygonal Woman in All, yes. We are going to be talking about the core trilogy. Well, I know, the, the, the core. <laughs> run of uh, Tomb Raider games made by Core Design and it's published by Eidos. Correct, yep. Now before then, we need to lay some groundwork on what exactly was happening at the time and the you know the eventual like the ramifications of certain des decisions that were made at the time. <laughs> so 
It took them about like 18 months to develop Tomb Raider core design. It was a six-person team at core who made that 90s, 90s, 1996 classic in November. Now, the main guy I, I was mostly focusing on is Toby Gard. He was the lead designer and animator, and he's pretty much credited as the creator of Tomb Raider and Laura Croft. And he left Core right it was like right before or like after the release of it the was original Tomb Raider. Right after it was I think two months after the original Tomb Raider was released. So by the beginning of nineteen ninety seven he wasn't with Core Design anymore. And um, okay. he left them due to uh, differences on how he felt that Lara should have been marketed. Um, he, he went to Eidos with some ideas of how he wanted to see her presented in all the marketing, and they just completely knocked those aside and decided they wanted to focus pretty much 100% on her sex appeal. Because a character like Lara Croft is, is essentially an asset for a company, there's always going to be opportunities for sort of cross-promotional stuff. I certainly had a, a major problem with the way that Lara was being portrayed in, um, in the beginning of, of the franchise. I don't think that the, that the character would ever get into um, Maxim-style poses. Lara was his baby, and then people got on top of it, and they suddenly went, right, we're going to do it this, we're going to do that. And he's really resented that, and he really didn't like that. That really upset him a lot. On the titties. Yeah, exactly. basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or, or like Toby Guard seemed to be this. It's like you can you can have both. You can have like you know like as this you know this this pinnacle of of how do you say you can you can have your smarts and sexy at the same time, but you you're just focusing on the one here. Right. Yeah. You, you, I, that's, the, that's the general attitude I, I saw. The goal was to um, have her as an exaggerated representation of the female form. That was the reason why she has such an exaggerated and caricatured figure, especially at that time when realism was impossible anyway. Yeah, and it really was. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't exposed to a lot of the marketing when it first came out, but I do remember seeing some of the commercials and not really knowing what Tomb Raider was at the time and definitely feeling kind <laughs> of off-put by the way that they were using Lara. And then when I actually got into the game and I was like, oh, that's not what this is about at all. This is just some solid platforming action adventure goodness that just happens to have a hot chick as the lead. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I, I completely understand why um, Toby Guard felt uncomfortable with the direction they decided to go in. Yeah, I, I, you just see some of these commercials that especially in like the when like Tomb Raider 2 and onward yeah or like happening it, it just got like if you thought it was bad in the first one it got kind of worse it got we're, weird we're, <laughs> got yeah, uncomfortable it, it got with some really of them. weird she's selling cars she's selling pizza like what what even like do you even need the game anymore right yeah i mean lara really took on a life of her own i mean she really became like her own icon her own status symbol in a lot of ways um you two actually wanted to have they wanted to use her likeness on tour i think it was their pop mart tour so they they had um video of her oh god yeah and screen and everything oh, god. <laughs> yeah so laura yeah laura there is kind of like a division almost between like tomb raider as the game and then like laura as like this larger than life icon yeah, yeah, you watch like a, a few of the documentaries, like especially the the, the one you sent me in, like, in, in 2001, like about like five years after the original, 
where you just get have like all these like horny British dudes just talking about like oh Lana Croft oh my gosh she is oh what a lady oh that oh my gosh that that documentary has some really cool insight like to the development of her but those scenes when they focus on the men that are are like isolating themselves from their families to have like quality (laughs) alone time with Lara Croft like it's so weird. And then the marketing reflected that, where, where, where it's, you have like these young kids, just, you're like, it's like, oh, you have this giant, it's like CGI woman, just, just like silently, like didn't say a fucking word. Yeah, she didn't talk. She, exactly. Yeah, she's just, I'm just here, like I'm, I'm, I'm just this polygonal model right here, just to be like, oh hey, I'm a lady, I'm also a video game character, I got, I, I got the things that you like to see in a woman, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm she, just here. And you know. um, they eventually, I don't know if you've read into this at all, but they also eventually hired live action models to help promote the game. And so they would usually, they were basically like glorified booth babes, basically. Yeah. And um, I actually, I, I skimmed have, over that part. And you know, it, was, it, was, it was like, what? Like, <laughs> mod- like they, they, they look nothing like Laura Croft, like whatever. It's early I 2000s, whatever. quite a fondness for the Lara models. Um, they are like extremely problematic, obviously, especially in hindsight. <laughs> but I always thought that the like the basic idea was a lot of fun. But um, they weren't allowed to do anything in the Lara costume. They couldn't talk. They couldn't eat. They couldn't drink. They couldn't be around smokers because they didn't want to get Jesus. like the smell of cigarettes on the costume. Like I mean, they were completely reduced to like not a human being. You know, I mean, they just they had to be That's a character by definition. <laughs> right? Yeah. My fucking god. Yeah. I was about to say, like, it was, it's like, wow, it's like 1996, Toby Gar, that's oddly admirable, but like, just to see, like, he, like, he had this, like, foresight to see into the future, like, what will become of this character, it's, it's like, nope, yeah. I'm not doing this, I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home with it. <laughs> Basically, yeah, and, you know, it was really quite a principled decision on his part, too, because he, um, Core Design, they actually paid royalties to the developers when they had a really successful game, so he lost Ooh, out on... Yeah. I think quite literally millions. Yeah. I mean, like just within the first year, it was like um, a few thousand, I think. I mean, like, yeah, he, he lost out on a lot of money to stand his ground on how he felt Lara should have been portrayed. And if we're, since we're talking about Toby Gard, um, his other claim to fame is Galleon, an Xbox original game about pirates, puzzles, punches and platforming. The only like remarkable thing I, I found out about it was uh, Jennifer Hale voiced a prominent lead character in it too. Oh, I and didn't know that. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of one of those things like I'm just perusing through IMDb. It's like okay, let's see, like Jennifer here. Okay, yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. Right? right yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and, I've um I never played that one, so I'm not familiar with it. I heard that I no one did. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that the gameplay in a lot of ways was very similar to what you had in the classic Tomb Raider games, but um. He decided to then go to a male lead. I think. I think that you play like yeah, a male it was pirate. Very much yeah, like a dude. And then he went on to do another dude uh, later on. Um, he was the uh, he was at Spark Unlimited as game director for Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z, a forgotten, a much forgotten Ninja Gaiden spinoff game. But in the middle of that, he actually came back to Tomb Raider for for the. Um, the first Crystal Dynamics um, quasi-reboot of the series with uh, Tomb Raider Legend, Anniversary, and then Underworld, it seemed like. Do you, do you have any more in- insight on that, um, Ashley? Yeah, a little bit, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he did come back for Crystal Dynamics. I think he only... 
worked on Legend and Anniversary. I think by the time they were making Underworld, okay. he had kind of stepped aside. But he felt that Legend was really an opportunity for him to kind of like enhance the vision he originally had for the first Tomb Raider game. Um, he really wanted the original game to be like this very cinematic, almost movie-like experience, which was why he wanted you to have like that third-person perspective and actually see the player or see the character that you're playing. Okay. So, um, in a lot of ways, Legend was kind of an opportunity for him to use, you know, updated technology and refine the vision that he originally had for the first game. And then, of course, Anniversary was basically a remake of the first game. So, I thought it was probably kind of a continuation of that. Right. And for him. as you begin hearing throughout this episode, there's, there's there was actually commentary with Toby Gard about, you know, just just playing through Tomb Raider Anniversary, you know, which was just a remake of the original. And it was actually kind of fascinating to really listen. And as we're going to be talking about the particular level, we're going to be inserting some clips from there. I'm Jason Botta, the creative director for Tomb Raider Anniversary. And I'm Toby Gard, the um, uh, original designer from the first TR1. Oh, you were the creative director. Give yourself some credit. I suppose there's only six of us, though. I mean, we don't have such grand titles back in those days, but yeah. A couple names I did want to drop out there, because obviously Toby Gard gets the most credit because he was the one that actually designed Lara Croft, and he was her animator. But Paul H. Douglas is the one that actually created the room editor that they used, the, the engine that they had to create from scratch to create all of the games. Oh, okay. um, initially, they were using, I want to say, I think it was 3DS Max, but they couldn't really get the software to do what they wanted to do in terms of like her movement and everything. So, um, Paul H. Douglas and Gavin Rummery were the ones that created the level editor. And they actually released um, the level editor, I think it was with Tomb Raider Chronicles, to fans. So there is a whole like level editor community out there as well. So people are still like creating Tomb Raider games, basically. That's kind of using neat, nice. the, Yeah, using the original software. And that there are a lot of like fan initiatives with people basically remaking this game but you know putting like 4k textures on the, the polygons you know <laughs> on the unreal engine yeah, <laughs> right exactly. yeah um so i just i thought that that was kind of neat and i think that they definitely deserve some credit because they they well obviously everybody on the team deserves credit but they were very paramount in making the kind mm, of gameplay the that, level aspect right that, yeah. yeah and um and Heather Gibson was the only lady on the team, and she was also a level designer. And I just think that she should get a shout out for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So I was actually, I was reading one of the old Prima strategy guides I have. Um, and one of the things that they were really like playing up was the fact that you could actually see the character that you were playing. Um, which by the time that Tomb Raider actually did come out in 1996, wasn't that unheard of. Like Crash Bandicoot and Super Mario 64 both came out before Tomb the same Raider. Year, I think. Yeah, just just earlier in the year. Uh, but that was apparently like a really big hype because it wasn't, you know, like the Doom first person shooter anymore. Like you actually got to see the character you were playing. And it's not on, you know, 2D or, or top down side scrolling. Yeah. And um, I guess the team kind of had like a hard time like actually conceptualizing that though. Like they couldn't quite like wrap their heads around this idea of like seeing this 3D character in this 3D world that you're following around. And so Toby Gard actually had to like create a scene to like show them what he was talking about. And then when they saw it, they're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Did I mention the Virtua Fighter inspiration from Toby Gard? Um, no, we did not. No. So this was, um, there was kind of a lot of conflicting information about 
like what eventually led them to actually go to a female protagonist. A lot of people seem to think that Toby Gard wanted a female protagonist the entire time, um, and he was just doing male characters to like appease the the higher ups. But mm -hmm. um, he does tell a story specifically where one of the reasons why he wanted to go with the female protagonist was because he would watch like a group of guys play Virtua Fighter. And even though there were only two female characters in that game, they would always choose the female characters over the male characters. And so that was kind of his reasoning. Like men and women would happily play as a female character. Like we, we see it happening already, you know, with Virtua Fighter. Mm -hmm. Despite the marketing's like, were 30 really? years behind <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> at first yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i just i thought that was kind of neat yeah another thing too like we would get into like the advertising of tomb raider because I, I again like it, it, it's had some weird advertisements throughout the years but th this first game like the the, the the one of the ones that are like mostly inoffensive and not like you, you can't really label this one sexist because it, it's very much like all right i i see you're trying to market the game but you're just trying too hard to do something else with it the uh sweat commercial <laughs> where the one where you it starts out all serious and then like extreme sports and all, all these like uh, live action shots of like people just like climbing things and, and oh um, my god i don't think i've ever seen this one i'm gonna have to look this up <laughs> this i'll look at crazy you, it, it's 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 nuts hold on here what makes you sweat is it passion, or could it just be heat? What about not knowing if your very next breath will be your last? What about all three? Tomb Raider from IDOS Interactive. Oh my god, this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my I mean, god! <laughs> it, it it it's it's pretty extreme, but it's 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 very much like you know what? If I had to pick like out of every Tomb Raider ad that that has ever existed in in that area, it's like this this is it. This fits. This yeah, fits it, completely what it's trying to accomplish here. Yeah, I think it does too. That is, man, that's wild. I never saw that one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh man, it was like the first one that came to mind because I heard it on a podcast a while ago, and it's it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I didn't have cable growing up, so I didn't really watch a whole lot of TV like around the time that this came out. So I think I missed right. a lot of the marketing, except for that that one commercial that I mentioned before that will probably like always stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure you've seen this this other one too. Like, I was doing some research, and it was just like the greatest hits commercial in, in like 1997 too, where you, where you see like okay, like, there's this like overly excited dad. So like, hey, come on, come on, it's, it's, it's a PlayStation, like like uh, you. I, I forgot like one thing like another it's like yeah let's, let's, let's go let's get some playstation games and they go to the store and see like a whole bunch of like dudes um crowding around like it's like oh yeah blah, blah, blah. all this commotion about like getting a getting this new playstation game and then who do you see like like oh it's it's just it's just laura croft sitting at a table like uh, doing like signings and then like the, the the dad takes a selfie of Flora too, and he tells his son like, "Don't tell your mother." <laughs> yes. Okay. I yeah. Hey, time to load up on PlayStation games. Greatest hits are on sale. Crash Bandicoot, Jet Moto. But I don't even have a PlayStation. You do now. 
mom know about this? Who? I do remember that one. And I think there was another one, too. It was probably for um, Last Revelation because they used one of the Lara models. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember, like, the exact way that it went down, but it was something really similar where it was, like, some, like, kid's creepy dad, like, macking on Lara. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you guys are still doing this, really? <laughs> no, it, just, it just never really made made sense, like, looking back to it. It's, it's like, she... I don't get the lust for Laura Croft because, like, do you see how busy she is? She's constantly traveling the world, fighting supernatural entities, angering PETA. She 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 has no business fooling with men. Yeah, she. Um, yeah, I, I never really understood it either. I mean, I guess I wasn't really a part of the demographic that they wanted oh, to yeah. understand it. Obviously, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know. She is obviously her figure is very exaggerated and sexy, and it was intended to be that way. But um, mm-hmm. I think I, I always saw her as Toby Gard saw her. Like I like though sure that was a, a feature that was very noticeable about her. But I mean I always it was always more about her being just this like cool kind of quiet kick ass chick that was out there, you know, traveling the world and kicking ass and everything. I mean I oh, yeah. the sex appeal thing like when I realized that that was what they wanted to play up i remember being kind of like confused almost i was like really this is what we're this is what we're doing with it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you missed the 90s <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah gave for me for not having cable <laughs> <laughs> well it, it, it sounds sincere and great yeah totally yeah well fine. yeah i think in some ways that it and I, I might have said this before but it probably benefited me because i think if i had been more exposed to a lot of that marketing that i probably would have been really turned off from tomb raider and instead it's you know become one of my absolute favorite series i mean like i mentioned earlier i've pretty much been with it for 20 years it's had a huge impact on my life um i don't know if you know this i did mention it um on facebook before but you know i I got to go to e3 actually to see the 2013 game the demo part that they didn't yeah i was invited by Crystal Dynamics um, as a community ambassador. So I actually got to talk with some of the team that were working on that game. Um, I have artwork that's been published in the 20 years of Tomb Raider book. So um, Tomb Raider, yeah, Tomb Raider has been like a really, really big part of my life. And it's just, it's kind of crazy to me to think that if maybe I had just seen one too many of those gross commercials that I could have missed out on something (laughs) so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, discouraging a little bit there. And then like, for for me, speaking as a dude, and I like it's it's like oh I want to play Tomb Raider and it's it's like oh you want to play that titty game is that it you you want to play with that like sexy lady and it's, it's like no yeah no it's it's, it's not it, it, like that minor bit of like self consciousness like and, and, and this is me speaking as a dude here <laughs> yeah and I think that you know when I would bring it up like in high school and everything I don't think people always knew how to respond to it I did get like the fake geek girl things like I had some people are like you only like it because of the movies and I was like I only like the movies because of the games (laughs) like I mean you kind (laughs) of got that twisted (laughs) Um, but yeah I don't think people and even now you know with like some of my older co-workers I have some Tomb Raider figurines at my desk and they're like, why do you have that busty chick <laughs> like sitting at your desk? Like, what's your deal? <laughs> so I think that sometimes people didn't really know how to respond to the fact that there were female gamers that really looked up to Lara Croft. You know, I mean, she to me, she was always a really strong representation. I thought she was fantastic. Right. But yeah, the the way that they really went with that, I think they called it like the lad mag advertising. 
So like all the like kind of Playboy FHM kind of thing. Now the other thing, like when you talk, when you hear, when you hear Top Toby Gard talk about Laura Croft, was just her general origin story about like how she was created. And then like originally like, there was like a there was supposed to be like two lead characters, a guy, a guy and a, and a girl. But eventually it's like now nah, we're going to try to focus on, on on a lady. And it was like we could have had a Latina Tomb Raider. Yeah, that's and, right. Like, um, she was originally named Lara Cruz. Um, and a, a South American woman, yeah, right, yeah, and she was supposed to be a lot more militaristic and aggressive than what they ended up going. Psychotic was the uh, adjective that was like passed around, so it's like, oh, that's that's not great for a lead character. Are you trying to sell to people? Okay. No, and um, they also the the higher up, I think um, Jeremy Heath Smith, he's the founder of Core Design. Um, right. I think he directed Toby Guard to to kind of tone that down a little bit and to specifically make the character more palatable to British and American audiences. Yeah, like I, it was a little fuzzy on that if it was either him or Eidos, the uh, parent company of Core at the time, wanted the main character just to be more like UK friendly, you know, to sell to the, the United Kingdom, like pretty much like Britain. But because, and also because the United States were, were pretty much the target audience here also. And, you know, we Americans love our upper-class English accents, so here we go. The name Croft came out of the phone book. The team sat down and the writer came down with the phone book and just went through the pages and called out things that, uh, that caught our eye and we go, ooh, no. Several names were put to a vote. Lara Croft took first place. Right, yeah, I mean, what's better than a sexy, posh lady <laughs> going out adventuring <laughs> and <laughs> taking names and kicking ass? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And as much as I want to champion a, a diverse Tomb Raider, like, just being an obscenely rich British lady who raids tombs makes sense. Britain's kind of known for, like, invading parts of the world. They're not there, so hence the colonialism. So, again, like, grave robbing is not an ethical career to choose exactly. Yeah, I mean, she was always, she wasn't necessarily meant to be, she's kind of more of an anti-hero, really, I guess, than like a true heroine, you know? She wasn't exactly supposed to be like your moral compass. (laughs) She was always fairly self-serving and why she was going after these artifacts. She just wanted them, you know? I mean, it wasn't really, the fact that she she kept them out of the hand of bad guys was kind of just a bonus. Pretty much, yeah. She was, she was, she was pretty much like, "Hey, you're cool. Like, when you go to go explore and do this for me, like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll do it." And then she gets roped into like, like, "Oh crap, I guess I got to save the world now." Right? From yeah, this person. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was very much it was like, mm. today's context is it's a little weird with that because like, it's, especially after like, uh, it's, it's, it's like one scene in Black Panther where you, you see, um, oh, Killmonger, with Killmonger, just, yeah, just, yeah, just so, like I already mentioned, it's like. You know you stole all these, right? Can can we have these back? It's like, uh, uh security. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Like, I, I I don't I don't know what to do with all these museums with all the stolen stuff here. Right, right, yeah, but, yeah. It definitely makes sense that they felt the need to to reboot her character. I think for today's audience and and kind of drop that like aristocratic colonial influences that we had in the 90s character. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a different context now, and and also she's she's not doing. My God, just just like watching watching Tomb Raider being played today, it's like 
you sure do kill a ton of animals here, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 a ridiculous amount. <laughs> so um, a little bit about that, because I always thought this was interesting. They, I think Toby Gard said that they initially decided they wanted to have animals because they thought that that was actually like a more ethical and moral decision than having her kill humans. But <laughs> then they ended up getting a lot of flack from like PETA and animal rights activists and everything. And so they're like, all right, well, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So I remember when, when we were first putting together the uh, design for Tomb Raider and uh, I found that it was pretty disturbing how many games, how, how much there was of killing in games, basically so many people killing each other mindlessly, you know, you walk up to some chap and just because they're from a different country you can gun them down and that seems to be perfectly reasonable. So in TR1 I felt like, apart from the fact that I didn't think we could do very good humans at the time, like uh, other human enemies, it seemed to me like a much nicer thing to do to have the enemies be uh, animals, sort of, you know, vicious, vicious animals like bats and rats and things. Which is ironic because I think now most people would consider killing animals way crueler than killing people. It is, yeah. I mean, pretty much, uh, yeah, the worst thing about it is, of course, they're all endangered species. None of this occurred to me at the time. <laughs> to be honest with you, I just thought, great, we're not killing humans hardly at all. What a great selling point. When we redid it, we went and we looked at the animals in TR1 and they weren't very mean looking, which made killing them even even worse. And I remember my teddy bear model was, yeah, it was very cute. That's right, so we consciously tried to sort of go back and make the animals much more vicious this time around so you didn't feel so bad about killing them. You, you could maybe only lose about an hour of sleep instead of all night. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the next game, it's just, it's, um, and pretty much throughout the series, you get a, a pretty good combination of human and animal adversaries and some supernatural ones. Yeah. And that's another thing too, like, just, just like, like knowing how the entirety of Tomb Raider in the first game plays out in, in the story, it's, it's, it's like, you kick off the supernatural stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this one. I mean, it's, um, you know, the, the third level into the game, you're fighting dinosaurs. <laughs> which isn't exactly, you Lost know, supernatural, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, obviously they don't exist today. So the idea that, that there's like, of. true, no, true. You, you stumble <laughs> upon a tomb. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you you could do it. You could pull Lara Croft and come across some dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Another random, random tangent. I just want to mention that that opening cinematic pretty much where we're like you're introduced to Lara Croft being like a badass. It, 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 it's it's, it's kind of like I see this throughout. So it's like you're kind of trying too hard to make her badass but then again it was a different time but just you see her climb up and, and, and like unlock a door and like this do these doors open all, all these um these huskies or wolves come out and attack accomplice and she's just like well I, I guess i'm gonna cut this rope and fall down like 20 feet and and disrobe and like oh i'm in shorts and a tank top in the middle of winter here and i'm, I'm like sniping these dogs in midair okay well that's cool. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really <laughs> go much. They really go over the top with it, which I like. I love. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and actually, the opening to the level that I wanted to talk about, um, she has another kind of like really over the top scene like that where she goes right, right. She's got a blowtorch to a, a cable on an elevator, and she like you know slowly um, burns through that that cable, and mm -hmm. then with like the momentum that. Use that as a counterweight, exactly. Yeah, she just goes flying up the skyscraper and then, like... It doesn't rip her arm off at all. It's just like, yeah, yeah she's strong enough to take care of it. She's Laura Croft. Yeah, yeah well, course. you know, um, one of Crystal Dynamics' favorite phrases to use now when they want to make 
the comparison between their their new Lara and the classic Lara was that this Lara was Teflon Lara. You know, she was like indestructible. <laughs> T1000 Lara. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 There you go. I like that too. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, speaking of, we are not talking about the Lost Valley. Valley. We are talking about that opening cinematic to Saint Francis Folly. That's correct. Yes. And oh my gosh. This is about like level five or so? It is. Yes, it's level five. It's the fifth level in the game, and it's the first level in the set of levels that takes place in Greece. Right, right, right. And the whole setup here, you go through this one temple, which is about like four or so levels, and you find out like, huh, I'm in this weird little triangle here. I I guess I'm going to go like investigate this one corporation that's hired me to go find this one bit of um, archaeology, this one bit of, like, history. And here she is, like, just, like, sneaking through this one corporation. Blowtorch, you know, destroying property instead of trying to sneak through. Yeah, she doesn't really have a lot of respect for uh, (laughs) people's things, I guess. Well, yeah, like, and, and I saw like the, in, in the anniversary edition, she, like all she does is just like, well, I see the cable here. I'm, I'm just gonna like fire my gun at it and, and just like fly up there. It's like that makes even more noise. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Let's just roll with it. <laughs> and I do like in the anniversary version, they have her, they have her do like the Matrix landing, where she's got like the one leg like spread out. It's like so ridiculous right, and over the right, top. Right. Yeah, they weren't that. They were probably a little limited um, with what they could do with the animation for this one, so that her landing isn't quite as dramatic, but I always thought that. Yeah, and, and, and Toby Gard in the uh, Anniversary Edition um, commentary even mentions this. It's like, yeah, and the, and the Matrix kind of like took this scene and made it their own. They, they, it was a bit of a homage, so it was, it's like the snake eating its own ass. Here, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things about the... Um sequence of, of Lara going to Natla's office was uh, um, how she went up the elevator shaft, because when we were looking at, at the sequence, it, was, it seemed like it was going to be pretty boring in the original game, uh, you know, her just breaking into an office and going up, rifling through <laughs> Natla's drawers. So we came up with this idea of her um, using the counterweight to fly up the lift shaft, and it's kind of interesting because uh, I remember basically that actually got sort of, you know, plagiarized a slight way. No, not plagiarized. What's the word? Um, it was uh, homaged in uh, the Matrix movie, which was pretty cool, actually. And then um, in remaking the office section, we uh, decided to use that space to actually build a little bit more information on Natla, because we don't really get to see a lot of Natla. So we came up with this idea of instead of Lara originally just read some kind of diary, it's used, she gets to look through Natla's... Um, uh, Video logs. Video logs, exactly. And we get a little bit of backstory both on, on Larson and Pierre. And it was an interesting way to sort of get more character going on without Lara having to sort of interact with them or change the sequences too much. As you actually get into it, you, you, like, it's like, oh, I, I got to go to Greece now and investigate this Pierre fella. And, you know, you enter, you, you, you um, reach the area, and then the first level of that Greece little temple of some sort is uh, St. Francis Folly, which is, from what I've, what I've seen, it's, it's, it's a large puzzle room. Basically, yeah. So um, there's, like, the opening part of this level isn't anything, like, terribly special. Like, you're going to go in, you're going to shoot some lions. Pierre will pop out briefly, and he'll shoot at you, and you can't kill him yet, so you kind of have one of those 
situations where you like shoot at him <laughs> until he, his health gets low enough that he wants to disappear, basically. Yeah, it, it, it just, it, he just runs away or he just like vanishes out of thin air. Yeah, he'll just like, like round. I guess corner. I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so he does that a couple of times throughout throughout this one for sure, and I think through most of the levels in Greece, but I'm not. I'm not positive on that. Don't quote yeah, me on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I did see that like be mentioned videos and, and the auto commentary. They, they they did mention that. So it's like, yeah, that was one of the things. Like when people were, like playing Tomb Raider back then, it's, it's like, hey, what the hell? That 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 was. That was shouldn't he be dead? Why yeah, was it was back, dirty. Like, for the time? It was totally dirty. I remember getting really frustrated yeah. with that. But yeah, he, 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 he. So in the opening, you, you did mention like you you kill some. Slow moving lions. You push a block to open the door. The do- that door leads to a room with gorillas and some switches to pull. You pull those, and then oh yeah, here's Pierre. You 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 shoot at him, then he runs away, and then at that point you climb some pillars and you you get, get kind of vertical, and you reach the upper heights of the opening room to see an open door because you f- flip those switches. Now that door leads you down a slide down like a submerged tunnel full of water. And then you have to flip another switch to drain water and kill the crocodile in there, and then you get to the real meat of the meat of the level. For sure, the large vertical room. There's some vats in there, but it, it was just like in a, just at, at its time, it, it, it just seemed like like this. There was no like uh, end to its height. It seemed like. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, six stories. In total, but I remember the first time I went in there, I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's like a bottomless pit. Like it might as well have been a bottomless pit." <laughs> right, you know, right. I mean, it was it was so high up there, and obviously today the the graphics probably feel very dated. But at the time when you were playing that, like contemporarily, I mean, that was like the atmosphere that was created in there was just astonishing. Saint Francis Folly is a, I would say, probably the second most recognizable area in from Tomb Raider 1, other than the T-Rex Valley. I think a lot of people really remember that sort of big vertical room and the climbing up the broken thing in the middle. So, I mean, we really wanted to sort of keep that feel when we redid it and then just sort of make it more involved and sort of more challenging to the player this time. But uh, essentially, it's pretty much unchanged. We even sort of went back and duplicated the textures from the original for, like, the floor panels in the middle because they're sort of so recognizable. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it was it was an interesting sort of goal with that area when we were because it's quite common that game designers even when they have a 3D vertical sort of space that they can play with, they tend to sort of end up just making long flat things anyway. So that particular area from the original game was just sort of let's go as vertical as we possibly can and see what we can do with it. And it was great with Lara being so um, sort of easy to kill. Such a frightening space to move through. And that should do it for part one. Part two should be coming out in a few days for the main feed, but on Patreon, the full episode should be up. So keep an eye out there. Well, you have my total attention now. I'm not quite sure if I've got yours, though. Hello? I'll heal and hide you to a barn door yet. Of course. You and that driveling piece of the ski on. You want to keep it so bad? I'll harness it right up your... Wait. We're talking about the artifact here? Damn straight we are. Right up. Hold on. 